Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Jerry with the message. Today we're starting a message, a sermon series, three-week sermon series called Change of Heart. And the reason that we're doing that, it's funny because the image changed and you all are like, oh, um, it's a different perspective standing up here. Anyway, I'm easily distracted. So we're, we're starting a sermon series called Change of Heart. And the reason that we're doing that is because when the new year changes, often we're thinking about resolutions and we're thinking about what happened last year, how we want this next year to be different, what behaviors we need to change in order for that to happen. And if we're a little bit more intentional, maybe instead of resolutions, we set goals, right? Same thing, you know, but we just, goals sounds a little bit more intentional. And if you know me, and if you've ever prayed for me, probably you have prayed for this thing in me that strives a little bit. I tend to be someone who's fairly driven, and I like to set goals, and I like to meet goals. Okay, and so I think it's really important that we do this, but that we do it with God in charge. I think the whole looking back over the last year and looking forward, thinking about where we've been and where we want to go is so, so important. And we don't get where we want to be without some intentionality. It takes us intending to go a place. We don't just happen upon where we want to be. We don't just happen upon growth not how it works. It'd be great if it did. But I fully believe that you need intention to move forward. But in general, that's not enough, right? How many of us have set goals and set intentions, especially right now, the beginning of a new year, only to do it for a couple weeks, right? The gym is packed in January. February, still kind of packed. March, you can get any machine you want because people have given up. That's just how it goes. We as people are not intended to go forward on our own motivation. We just don't have it. And that's okay. It takes sustainable change behavior takes a change of heart. And that's why this series is called Change of Heart because we do think it's important to think forward about where we want to go, but we don't change our behavior without our hearts being changed first, or at least we can't sustain it. So have you ever tried to form a habit only to fall back into old habits? I see some heads nodding not long after that. I am someone who, full disclosure, I have been overweight all my adult life. Okay, so I've set, and that's a while. (laughs) I have set the goal to get healthier in my body hundreds of times, and I've started out well hundreds of times, but I always find myself falling back into old habits after a few weeks. I don't have it inside myself to make myself be healthier. And so, because I'm someone who sets intention every year, it got to December of 2018, and I started meeting with a spiritual director, and my spiritual director introduced me to the idea of asking God what his goals for me were for the year. And I had been walking with the Lord for a long time. I always was someone who would check with God what he wanted. And I really did try to discern what he wanted. But this idea of asking him what the next year was about was revolutionary to me. 
And so I thought, well, this is the year probably then. I'm going to do it. Like, I think it's, it's it. And so I asked for recommendations for planners. And actually, Jeff recommended my favorite planner in the world, the Passion Planner. I don't get any money from that, but it's a good one. Um, and what you do is you set this intent, like this web of goals of how you're going to go forward and what it's going to take and think about obstacles that are going to get in the way. And so I set this whole web of like how I'm going to get healthier in my body. This is 2018. And then I took it and I learned that I should ask God. So I said, God, what do you, this is it, right? And he was like, it's not time for that. And so I had to erase my entire web of what I thought it was going to be for that year. And in 2019 and 2020, God decided that it was time for me to really dig really, really deep into my emotional health. And so I didn't know what that looked like, but that's what God told me it was about. And so for two years, God just pulled stuff out of me and laid it on the table in front of me and wouldn't let me put it back in until it was changed and transformed. And so I went on this journey of like, putting my physical health aside and learning these processes in my emotional health. God had to change my heart. And then at the beginning of 2021, I didn't even make a plan. I just got my planner. I said, God, what are we doing? And he said, it's time for you to learn to work these processes in the physical realm. So it's time for you to learn to honor your physical health like you have your emotional health for the past two years, and so it was time. And in 2021, I lost 50 pounds, and it's been sustained, and that is God's work. Please do not mishear me. It is nothing of me. It is the Lord's work. It took me saying yes. It took me showing up. God loves to partner with us, but he had to change my heart first. He knew that I couldn't hold the health that he was going to give me unless my heart had first changed. And so that's why we're going to talk about changing our hearts at the beginning of the year. It's really good to set goals, but the fact of the matter is we can't just pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and change our lives. The world may tell you that, but it doesn't last. And so the really hard thing, is I just told you that in a sustainable way we can't physically change our behavior. I just told you that what you actually need to do is to change your heart, but the bad news is that you can't change your heart either. So we're completely incapable to do this ourselves. But the good news is that it is God's desire and very will that you would be someone who can hold and carry the fullness of his joy, the fullness of his peace, that you would be someone who can perfectly discern his will and walk alongside him. That is God's will for each one of you. That is his desire. So he's more than happy to change your heart. And I think a lot of the dreams and goals that we have for ourselves really sort of revolve around wholeness, right? Being more whole, walking in a way that we see that it's better to walk in, getting to a place where we're healthier and growing. And I believe that a lot of the dreams that we have for ourselves are really dreams that God has for us 
that he has planted in us. I won't say that that's always true. Sometimes we set goals for ourselves because we think we need something that we don't actually need. But often, the deepest desires of our hearts are things that are actually God's dreams for us. But we cannot reach God's goals without God's power. We really can't. God's dreams are so big that they require our dependence on him. And he has created us to be that way. I think we get sometimes frustrated at our limitations, but God has intentionally created us to be limited so that we are dependent on him, so that we can actually go where he wants us to go. So we're two years out from New Year's Eve or New Year's 2020, right? And if you remember, everyone in 2020 was like, 2020 vision, right? Like, we are going to see what God is doing, and it's going to be clear, and this is the year. 2020 vision. We're going to see all the stuff, right? And if you remember 2020, it didn't look like we thought it would, right? We thought, or a lot of people thought, that it was going to be like this 3D goggle thing where we just like, here's the 2020 vision, and we put it on, and all of a sudden, we can see what God's doing, and we can get behind it, and we'll be joyful, and we'll be peaceful, and all the things, right? It didn't look like that. It wasn't this beautiful zap moment like we thought it would be. But I think many of us see a lot of things more clearly now after 2020, right? It didn't look the way we thought it would. And we really believe, here at the Vineyard, we really believe that God does zap sometimes, right? We believe that you can pray for someone and they can have a broken arm and then pray for them, and then it's healed. We believe that God zaps people. We believe that God can take addiction away in a moment. God's power is big enough for that. We really do believe in the zap moments, and we love them. They are beautiful, holy moments. And there are some gifts that God gives us in a zap. I prayed to be physically healthier in a zap multiple times. I heard stories of how it happened for other people. That's not what God had for me. And often, that's not what God has for us. Yes, it happens. And it happens often. But there are some things that we can only get by left foot, right foot, walking with Jesus every day and choosing to do what we know he's calling us to do in the moments when it's hard. And then after a period of time, we look back and this thing in us, which we wanted and prayed for and asked to be zapped with, has grown. It just happens like that. It's not super clear how God does what he does, but he does it. I've seen it done time and time again. So over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about how our hearts can change. These slow, walking with God, making choices day after day, moments. And today we're going to talk about thanksgiving, thankfulness. And so would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge that you are here and active with us today. Lord, I thank you that um, you're moving and that you're always moving. God, I pray that you would change hearts, 
and that you would get deep down into our stuff, God, the places that we push aside or push down because we're afraid of them. Would you get down in there, Lord? I pray that we would allow you to. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, I'm preaching from 1 Thessalonians 5. And if you feel like flipping, however you flip to 1 Thessalonians, that's fine. It'll be on the screen. And I just have to tell you that 1 Thessalonians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It is Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he is so proud of them. Like, it makes me cry every time I think about it. Like, you can just read his pastor's heart, and he is so proud of the way that they grabbed a hold of the gospel, and they are living it. And so throughout this whole book, often you don't see Paul gushing, right? Paul's kind of like, but in this book, Paul is so proud of these people that he considers children. And so he goes on and on talking about how great they're doing. And he even says at one point that he has heard from other people about how kind and loving they're being to the people around them, to the people groups around them. And it made me think, how good do you have to be for people to gossip about how good you are? Like, I think we're really ready to gossip about if someone treats you poorly. But how good do you have to be for someone to be like, man, they, are, they were so kind. They were so loving. So the Thessalonians are doing pretty good. And Paul writes to them to say that. But at the end, toward the end of his book, he says, you're doing great. Keep doing it. And aim to please God more and more. So what Paul's saying is, you're doing great, but there's more. There's even more goodness to press into. And that's the kind of God we serve. There's always, always, always more goodness. We never arrive. There's always more. And so 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 19 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. So he sort of congratulates them and then he says, but there's, this is the way that you can grow more. Always rejoice. Always pray. Always give thanks. And notice that he didn't say, give thanks for all things. He says, give thanks in all things. I think he's asking them to focus more on what God's doing than the things that they see around them that are not quite right. Have you ever met someone who constantly complains? <laughs> are you the someone who constantly complains? Some of you know I used to be an occupational therapist, um, and so I worked in nursing homes and hospitals, and I find this a lot with people who are in a lot of pain, that they complain a lot, which is understandable. But as an occupational therapist, what my job was, was to help people learn how to dress themselves and bathe themselves and 
do all the things that they needed to learn to do to be able to go home and take care of themselves like they were before, going to the bathroom, all of these things. And so there were some particular patients who would come in and I could spend an hour with them help, like doing the things that no one really wants, like toileting them, bathing them, helping them learn how to do these things, which I love to do. But then as you leave, there's this one, well, my water jug is turned the wrong way. Why, could, why would you leave my water jug like that? And so there are these people who would just focus I can see the healthcare workers in the room snickering. You know those people who would focus on the tiniest thing. You could have done everything right, but there's the one thing that clouds their whole experience. And what I can say that's true is the majority, the vast majority of healthcare workers that I've worked with love people. They love helping people. They love doing even the things that no one wants to do for people. That's why they get into healthcare, most of them. But a person like that can squelch that spirit of goodwill and wanting to do what's good. And then these people who are really good people, who are really loving people, end up drawing straws to see who's going to go help this lady because she is not nice, right? This is what happens. That spirit of goodwill is squelched and squashed by this constant complaining, this person who will only look at the bad. And if we look back at 1 Thessalonians, I think that's what Paul is saying. If you look at verse 19, it says, it says, pray without ceasing, give thanks always. And then verse 19 says, do not quench the spirit. He seems to be saying it's a little bit similar with the Holy Spirit. If you're someone who only focuses on the bad and all the good, it's really hard to see what the Holy Spirit's doing. It's really hard to see the gifts that God has given you if we're only focused on the bad things. So he's saying not rejoicing, not praying, and not being thankful squelches the Holy Spirit in your life. So the absence of those things actually snuffs out the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And as I said earlier, if we need our hearts to change, we need all the Holy Spirit is going to give us. Like, we really don't have time to be snuffing it out because we're not going to get anywhere otherwise. So being thankful is one of the things that opens us up to the work of the Holy Spirit around us and through us. Healing happens as we are thankful, as we choose to be thankful, and it is a choice. He wouldn't have to tell you to be thankful in all circumstances if you were already thankful in all circumstances. He says it because he knows it's hard, that it's a resistance. So what I'm not talking about, let me be clear, what I'm not talking about is pretending that we're not sad or pretending that we're not angry. Terrible things happen to all of us. And that is really real. This is a place where we say, you can come and feel the things. We don't push things down, because it doesn't work. If it did, that'd be one thing, but it doesn't. So we don't do that here. A few weeks ago, Betty was talking about how we can have more than one emotion at a time. We can be sad, really sad, 
and also thankful for things that are happening in our lives. The Psalms of Lament in the Bible talk, they don't pull any punches about how they're feeling. God, I feel like you're gone. You've forsaken me. I think I'm about to die. And then at the end, there's this remembrance of, but God, you've always provided for me. God, you're worthy. We can hold those things together. And I think we, in culture, we've sort of adopted this thing where we have to be authentic, right? And I don't think that's bad. I think it's good. It's actually in one of our values. We pursue wholeness with authenticity. But it's not inauthentic to be thankful and sad. You're not betraying the sadness or the pain by being something else as well. I think that's the fullness of the human experience. And so when we bring our pain and our struggles and our difficulty to God, he really does welcome that. But we can also hold together thanksgiving for the things and the person that God has been in our lives before. And so just as some examples, maybe you've lost your job. And now is a time when there's lots of opportunity. And it's okay to be scared about what's going to happen next. And it's okay to be frustrated that you didn't deserve to lose that job. But at the same time, it is really, really good for us to think about the times when God has shown up for us in the past. The ways that God is showing up for us now. And to focus more on those things than the fear we feel or the frustration. It's okay and really good to hold those things together and to focus more on what God can do than what we see happening now. Even harder, maybe you've lost someone who's really close to you. That is like one of the most painful things to lose. And I think a lot of us, probably many, many of us, at least know someone who we cared for who's passed away in the past year and that's hard and we shouldn't pretend that it's not hard nobody's asking for that i don't think paul is directing that but what it points to when we're sad that we lose someone is that we shared love with someone that we had an opportunity to love and be loved by that person not everybody gets that opportunity. So maybe you're not ready to be thankful for the relationship and the sadness. That's okay. There are lots of other things that God has done for each of us for which we can be thankful while being sad that someone we love is gone. And so I know this is really countercultural. Like, I'm not confused about if this is hard. <laughs> It is hard, but it's a choice, and it would be great, I don't know, it would be something if God could just zap us and make us thankful. He could, but so often, God chooses to use us. He gave us free will. He loves to work with us in growing and creating new things. He loves that. He's a relational God. So there's something about the process of our, us exercising our free will and choosing to be thankful that grows us into the kind of people who can carry thankfulness everywhere we go.
who can carry God's peace and joy everywhere we go. And I really believe that there are some depths of joy and peace that only come through really deep pain. There are some measures of God's goodness that you only get to see and take hold of if you've been through really dark places and held on to him in those places because it grows something in us and that choice to believe. So in the two years that God led me through emotional healing, I learned to trust him in the processes. And I learned how to slow down and respect my own limits. Still sometimes don't love that I have limits. But I learned to respect them. And I learned to trust in God's ability to fix things around me. Not to trust in my own ability to fix things but God's, and just to wait until he fixed them. Just like that, I think we can make choices to thank God in the moments when we don't see what's happening, when we don't understand and we can't fix it. There's always something that we can thank God for. And so I said that it's hard, and it is, and I want to give you just a few practical ways that we can move into thankfulness that can help us to do that. And the first one is to get around other people. What happens if we spend too much time alone is that we begin to believe that the world revolves around us. And that's a really misorientation of the world. The world revolves around God and what he's doing. And so when we begin to think that the world revolves around us, it just happens naturally but it does happen, then we begin to see everything around us as it affects to us, right? We begin to think, oh my gosh, she just walked that way and she didn't walk this way because she doesn't like me. All these things. I mean, these are not crazy thoughts, right? We all have thoughts like this, where we think that everything that everybody does is because of something that we've done or not done or failed to do, or whatever. And so we need to get around other people. We can't spend too much time alone because Satan's really loud in our heads, and he can lie to us really easily when we're alone. Um, secondly, it's easier for other people to see the good that God is doing on our lives often than it is for us to see it because we're stuck with this problem that we're trying to fix. But someone else can come alongside and say, hey, you remember when God did that really amazing thing for you? You should be thankful for that. Or remember when God pulled through for you in this other situation that's a lot like this situation. Do you remember that? And we can be thankful. We can begin to grow thankfulness and hope in those situations. Also, because of that, because we can often see the goodness happening to somebody else before we see it to us, what normally happens is when we see something really great happening to Pete, I would be like, man, Pete, I wish that was happening to me. Why does Pete get all the good stuff, right? God, why not me? But what I can do when I have that really natural, really human reaction is say, God, thank you for blessing Pete. It's a choice, friends. It's a choice. But when you find yourself moving in this complaining nature, we can begin to say, God, thank you for blessing that person. And it grows something in you to recognize the goodness of God, okay? 
God is a relational God, and he really intends other people to be part of our story. When people say, oh, I do Christianity by myself, you can't grow by yourself. God is relational. There's three of them, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, a relational God. And so he intends us to be with other people, and that is how we grow. We don't grow any other way. So in the next few weeks, you'll be hearing about midpoint and midpoint communities that have Evan, not heaven, your name is not heaven, that, <laughs> that Evan alluded to. Um, and that is a place where you can get connected with other people. I'm telling you that people are instrumental in your growth. You cannot grow without other people walking alongside you. And so the final way, the hardest way, is that we can begin to move into thankfulness when bad things happen to us. Sometimes the thing is so bad that we're not quite ready to thank God for the bad thing. That's okay. But you can thank God for other things, right? When you start to go down the road of complaining and feeling sorry for yourself, you can begin to thank God for the things that he has done and the ways he has shown up. Again, I'm not saying stuff your pain. I'm saying we can do both. We can feel it and we can be thankful. And so I want to end today with an excerpt from the book, The Hiding Place. I don't know if any of you have read that book. Um, it's written by Corey Ten Boom. Corey and her family were in a concentration camp Corey was a teenager, I think, at the time. I don't remember exactly how old she was, but she was with her sister in this concentration camp. And this horrific, terrible, th the things that happened to her had grown this amazing faith in her. And so I'm just going to read a little bit about thankfulness. Her sister and she are just moved to a new barracks. And so it says, Suddenly I sat up, striking my head on the cross slats above. Something had pinched my leg. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, this place is swarming with them. We scrambled across the intervening platforms, heads low to avoid another bump, dropped down to the aisle and edged our way to a patch of light. Here, and another one, I wailed. Bestie, Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us, show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly that it took me a second to realize she was praying more and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. And so we see this prayer without ceasing. She's constantly praying in this really terrible time in her life. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer. Before we asked, as he always does, in the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the long dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight, then drew the Bible from its pouch. It was First Thessalonians, I said. We were on our third complete reading of the New Testament since leaving Shemington. In the feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is. Comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now and thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. I stared at her, then around me at the dark, foul-aired room, such as, I said, such as being assigned here together. 
I bit my lip. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Such as what you're holding in your hands. I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord, that there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all the women here in this room who will meet you in these pages. Yes, said Betsy. Thank you for the very crowding here. Since we're packed so close, then many more will hear. She looked at me expectantly. Corey, she prodded. Oh, all right. Thank you for the jam, cram, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowds. Thank you, Betsy went on serenely, for the fleas and for the fleas. This was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between piers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. But this time I was sure Betsy was wrong. What they find out later is that the reason that the guards won't come in and check their room is because it's full of fleas. And so they get to hold, they get to keep the Bible throughout their whole time because no one comes to check to see if they have anything. So it's this very thing that is a real, can you imagine, living in a room with fleas? But because of that, they were able to keep the Bible, which was their lifeblood, which I think actually kept them alive and full of faith. So that's pretty, pretty stark, right? And that, I, I would say that's next level, right, that we would thank God for fleas. But we can move in that direction. I think for sure we can. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.